Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. Hallelujah. This is what it reads like. He that gathers in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame. I remember back, I believe it was back around 2007 or 2008, I dealt with a similar topic. Uh, about this, but I want, I want to bring this scripture out again. He that gathers in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame. Father God, as we come today, we thank you and we praise you, God, for the privilege of being in your house today. I thank you, God, for your blessings, God, everyone that has come today. And now for the next few moments, I ask that you would direct uh, our minds and our thoughts to to follow what you want us to have today. Bless each and every one. Strengthen us. Let this message be a message of encouragement to everyone that is here. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. The last part of Proverbs says, He that sleepeth in harvest is a son that calls a shame. I'm going to just give you a simple title. I'm not going to get fancy with it at all today. But I just want to talk to you briefly on a subject titled, Harvest Time is No Time to Sleep. Harvest Time is No Time to Sleep. Now, people who make their living off of the land look forward to harvest. Amen. Those who, uh, who, harvest, uh, who raise crops and various things, um, they, make their, uh, they, they look forward to uh, uh, to harvest. Harvest time in the biblical days were times of joy, celebration, which included feast, merriment, uh, and, uh, and all such like because debtors was going to be paid and rewards was going to be given. Hallelujah. Amen. So harvest time in the Bible was a very joyous time. And Brother Bobby's been teaching about the festivals and uh, uh, and the feast of the old uh, Old Testament and, and the Old Covenant, and you know every one of those feasts has a spiritual application to the New Testament church. That's a very beautiful study. Hallelujah! They all have reference to us, not not just for what they. They don't mean that we go out here and set up a bunch of small tents and um, uh, like a, a, a feast of tabernacles and all that. But there's a spiritual. Uh, meaning those things that happen in the Old Testament, the Bible says, are types and shadows for the reality of what we're experiencing in God today. Hallelujah! So um, uh, the harvest time was a happy time; it was a joyous time, and um, all kind of celebration. But harvest time also was a time of labor and accounting. Hallelujah! It wasn't just a free ride; it wasn't just a celebration. It wasn't just a feast, but harvest time was a time of labor, and it was also a time of accounting. Amen. If you don't never think, amen, about this, you need to start thinking about this. The Bible says there's going to come a day and an hour that God is going to send an angel with a sickle, and he's going to reap the harvest of the earth. And you know who that is? That's me and you. Hallelujah. And when that time comes is a time when we are going to have to give account of the deeds done in this life. The Bible said whether they be good or whether they be bad. Hallelujah. We all going to have to give account. Hallelujah. Amen. 
So harvest time is just not uh, uh, for, uh, for all of these, the merriment stuff, but it's a time of labor. The farmers could not afford, now listen to me. It's going back to the first message I preached about don't let the harvest perish. A farmer could not afford to let the crop stay too long in the field because the value of the crop would quickly diminish. Much of his crop would spoil and be attacked by insects and various other things. Hallelujah. Many times the farmer even today will work around the clock to get his precious commodity in when the harvest time comes. Hallelujah. Anybody beside me ever been out in farm country very late at night and you could see those farmers out there in the fields, amen, with their harvesters uh, and with the light shining, amen. And, um, man, I drove by them many times and I thought, man, I'm glad I parked my school bus a long time ago. Hallelujah. I'm glad I ain't here. I'm glad I ain't fooling them kids right now. Hallelujah. But when it's time for harvest, uh, amen, there ain't no time for slacking. Hallelujah. Amen. I said when there's harvest time, it's not no time for slacking because farmers will literally work around the clock to get his precious commodity in when harvest time comes. There was and is no time for rest or play when harvest is in. Can somebody say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Amen. The church of Jesus Christ, now I'm going to get to the message. The church of Jesus Christ, and I believe this with all my heart, is now approaching the greatest harvest time the whole history of the church has seen. Hallelujah. Now, I know we're talking a lot about the troubles and the ills and all that stuff that's going on in the world, but we are entering in right now. It's beginning to happen even now, but the church is beginning to enter the greatest time that the church has ever seen. I'm talking about something greater than the day of Pentecost. For those people, amen, who will take heed, amen, to work the harvest, God has got a miracle waiting for you that you can't imagine, hallelujah, if you are willing to get up and about the Father's business, amen, and tend to the harvest, God's got something more powerful than and ten Pentecostals in the day of Peter and John. He said, the, he said that the latter house would be greater than the former house. That tells me with everything we've read about the day of Pentecost on the books of Acts, it's going to be a Sunday school playtime compared to what God is doing in his church right before we take it out. But we've got to get our minds made up. We've got to have a hunger for souls. Hallelujah. We can't be satisfied with just coming to church once on Sunday and leaving and not doing anything. Let me reiterate something that I said in the first message about uh, not letting the harvest perish. There's not nobody that's in this building right now. Nobody sitting here right now is in actuality serving God. Hallelujah. What we're doing here right now is worship. And some of us have done a pretty poor job of doing that. Hello. Hallelujah. Amen. I know what it is to be exhausted and 
I'll push them hard to get one foot ahead of the other. Amen. And, uh, but the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we should be excited that we can come to God's house to worship Him. What we do when we come to the church, we come to worship, but we leave to serve. We leave to serve. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, and uh, part, and this is part of our outreach on the new November calendars. I hope that you will pick one of these up. But uh, I've already mentioned about servant. Hallelujah. If we're going to be effective in our communities, we've got to, we've got to get some visibility. The church has got to, the, the community around us has got to see us. And guess what? They're not seeing us this morning. They're not going to see us until we get on the outside of the doors. Hallelujah. Amen. And this time of the year is a very great opportunity for you and I to serve in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, uh, and on the 21st, I mean, there's going to be Thanksgiving box, box delivery in Goodlesville at 9 a.m., and um, uh, to and this is going to be an, uh, a good time for our church and have some members of our church, amen, when some of them other churches in Goodlesville are passing out baskets said, hey, hey, uh, who, was, who was those new folks down there we've seen helping with those baskets? And somebody say, that's that CFC down there on Baker Station. Hallelujah. I don't know about you folks. Hallelujah. But I know God wants more from me than just my worship. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He wants my service. He wants my devotion. He wants me to get active in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Some of us have been sitting around too long. As Brother Darrell said, using too many excuses. There's still some of us still using the excuse. Amen. Of the church burning down. Listen, get over it. It's long gone. God has put us in a better place. Amen. In a better era. He says, now I've given it to you. Now do something with it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We are approaching the greatest harvest time the world has ever seen. We must decide now what we are going to do and how we're going to do it. We can either step up to the plate and fulfill what God has called us to do, which would prove we are wise and profitable servants of the Lord, or we can continue to be asleep at the wheel. Hello, somebody. Glory to God. Now, you see... I can get a little tougher on some of these things what Brother Joseph can because I'm the pastor. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, I, remember, I remember going over a lot of things, amen, as I was uh, first bringing uh, him and also Brother, Brother Paul Farley up, amen, along. I said, listen, you got to learn when you begin to go out and preach. Amen. In other other places, amen. There's a particular message for an evangelist, and there's a particular message for a pastor. And if you go somewhere and have an opportunity, amen, to minister at another man's church, don't try to pastor your church. Hallelujah. But that's a different story, and that's a different subject. Hallelujah. We have got to be concerned with the harvest. Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah. So we can either step up to the plate and fulfill what God has called us to do, or we can continue uh, to coast along, amen, and be asleep at the wheel, amen, which means millions that who could become to know God may never realize who God is, amen, because we're failing to act. Hallelujah. He that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame. 
I want, I want to share a couple things with you today in the course of this message about this. The first one I want to talk about is maintaining the joy in the harvest. Maintain joy in the harvest. Hallelujah. Now, this gets back, uh, Brother Paul, to our worship. Hallelujah. This gets back to our worship, amen, and our relationship with God. Amen. About maintaining joy in the harvest. Look what Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 3 has to say about this. Uh, he said, um, he said, Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. Mm. They, uh, uh, they joy before thee according to the joy of the harvest. Notice that phrase, to the joy in the harvest. And as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Hallelujah. I told you a while ago during harvest time, uh, after the harvest end, there's a rejoicing. Uh, amen. But there's also a rejoicing while they're gathering in that crop. Uh, hallelujah. They, they are receiving what they have labored for all this time. Uh, amen. They are taking part in something uh, that they've been working for. Hallelujah. Amen. A diminish and lack of joy in the time of harvest will mean a diminish and lack of results in the harvest. Glory to God. What in the world do you mean by that, Brother Samuel? I tell you this. Don't go outside these four walls with your hands stuck in your pocket, your head down, and your lips stuck down so low you better you might trip over your lip. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You ain't demonstrating no joy. Hallelujah. You're not going to get nobody interested. You're not going to gather no harvest. Hallelujah. You've got to remain joy. Hallelujah. What is it about this that we can't rejoice in it? Hello? Hallelujah. What is it that we, we, mm -mm. listen, folks, we cannot expect people in the world who are seeking real joy to be won over by people who are not happy and excited in their walk with Christ. Hallelujah. You know what? Most of those people out there in the world, they can, they can spot a fake a mile off. I, I, I flip my TV channel sometime, and uh, some of the worst ones are those that's on, on late, at, late at night. And uh, I, don't, I don't have to be on that, that channel one time to see one of them, them dudes and call themselves a preacher. Oh, folks, I got, I got this water bottle from the Jordan River. And I have anointed this water from the Jordan River. And if you'll just send me your best offering, preferably a $100 bill, amen, you take that and amen, you're going to have your blessing and have your miracle. <laughs> It don't, take, it don't take you too long to figure that kind of fella out. Hallelujah. Amen. What we have got to do is have a joy about us. Amen. You know, you, joy, joy is not like happiness. Some people mix up joy and happiness. Hallelujah. Joy is something you can still feel in your soul even when you're going through grief. Amen. I, I've experienced the loss of several loved ones, as many in this place has this morning. 
Hallelujah. But you know what? The joy of the Lord that's in my soul. Uh, glory to God takes care of that grief to where I, that grief don't get me down to where I can't become immobilized and not be able to do nothing. The Bible tells us, he said, listen. Uh, he said, when somebody that you love passes away, he said, don't you sorrow as those who have no hope. Uh, how many knows we got some hope around here? Uh, hallelujah. How many knows we got hope in his word? Uh, oh, glory to God. Uh, so, amen, when I'm talking about the joy of God, you still feel that even though when there is grief, amen, over something going on, hallelujah, that's what it meant when he said the joy of the Lord is our strength and that is what we got to demonstrate to people out there. They got to say, hey, they got something I want, they got something I'm, that looks real, hallelujah. They done tried everything else and they still wind up empty broken, filled with all kind of sorrow. But Jesus gives us hope today, folks. He gives us hope today. So we've got to be able to maintain the joy in the harvest. We've got to let the people on the outside see the joy and demonstrate that joy. I want to move on. Hallelujah. Number two, we've got to keep the Father's business on our mind. Hallelujah. We need to keep the Father's business on our mind. Luke chapter 2 and verse 49. And he said unto them, Why did you seek me? Do you not know I must be about my Father's business? Who made that statement? Who was he talking to? Hallelujah. His mother and father, his parents. Everybody knows that story. They, they was in Jerusalem traveling to be a part of one of the feasts. And they, they went away and they, uh, they, they left the Lord there and then they were, had to turn back and they were searching everywhere for, for him, trying to find him. And when they finally found him, he was, in the, he was in the temple and he was teaching the teachers. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And they, uh, and they began to question him. He said, well, he said, why were you looking for me anywhere else? Don't you know I'm going to be about my father's business? We've got to make the father's business a priority in our life. Hallelujah. Even as a child, the business of the kingdom was at the forefront of the mind of Jesus. When other boys his age would be um, more apt in becoming separated from their parents because they were playing games, Jesus had on his mind the Father's business. This business would grow to the point that it would control everything. It just didn't stop when he was a kid. Hallelujah. Amen. It kept on. Hallelujah. It kept on growing and growing in Jesus. Finally, amen, he made the statement in Luke 12 and verse 50. Hallelujah, praise God. He said, but I have a baptism to be baptized with that, and how I'm straightened till it be accomplished. Amen. The baptism he was talking about had nothing to do with water. It didn't even have nothing to do with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But he was talking about a baptism of suffering and death. He said, that's a baptism that I've got to be baptized with and how I am straightened do you know what that word straighten means? Amen. It's the same thing as you put together the word back then when somebody put together a straight jacket. It means constrained. Matter of fact, some Bible translations use the word constrained right there for straightened. He said, how I'm constrained till it be accomplished. He was here on a mission. He was here on a purpose. And he didn't let nothing take him off that. Lord, it God, too many of us get sidetracked too quick, too often. Hallelujah. Some people are worshiping God one day, but in the next thing they're sidetracked to somewhere else. Yeah. 
He said, how I am straightened or constrained, hallelujah, until it be accomplished. You see, for Jesus, the business at hand, amen, for him was to appoint and train those who would be leaders in the church, amen, and uh, so he could become the sacrificial lamb that eradicate the sin of the world. What are you saying? I'm saying harvest time is no time to sleep. If we sleep during harvest, we're going to lose a fortune, and that fortune is going to be souls. It's going to be souls. Hallelujah. Joseph told you, amen, and uh, many of us know that story about the picture of the young man he carries with him, amen, that uh, uh, eats away. Hallelujah. Now, there's a harvest out there that nobody else can reach but you individually. Every one of us has got a harvest. Everybody in this place today, there is somebody in your life that if you stand up to the plate and you do what you should do, can't nobody reach that person as good as you. It's your harvest. It's your harvest. And the one who reaps the harvest is the one who gets the rewards. Hallelujah. I understand. I understand well. Even though I want to win everybody in the world, I want to be able to preach to everybody and get everybody to hear. Hallelujah. I understand well that there are some people that I can't reach. You want to know why I can't reach some people? Because there are some people going through conditions in their life that I've never been there. Hallelujah. But see, what God does for you in your life and how he brings you through certain things, <laughs> it, he, don't, he don't just make you free and, uh, and, and clear you up there, hallelujah, but God will take each person's experience that they've gone through and allow you to use that to help somebody else going through that same experience further down the road. That's how God trains men and women. Hallelujah. That's how God trains men and women. Hallelujah. I can't reach everybody because I can't talk everybody's talk. Amen. What I've got to do is focus on the harvest that I know God has given me. Amen. And work that field and work it to, amen, to the best of my ability. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people right now, and everybody take this individually. But there's people right now on their way to a devil's hell that you are the only individual can make a difference in their life. Don't expect somebody else to pick up your slack because you can't do my job and I can't do yours. Hallelujah. We all, God has called you and put you in the kingdom for a purpose. Hallelujah. And we, we, we've got, we got to focus and we've got to keep our minds, amen, upon that. Let me try to finish this up. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, 
Romans chapter 13, verses 11 and 12 says, And, and this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Wow. Instead of complaining about how, how dark the world is, turn on your flashlight. What was uh, what was John F. Kennedy's? He, he he come out with a lot of good ones, but one of them, one of them I read in one of one of his speeches one time, he said it's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. Hallelujah! It is better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. Yes, there's a lot of darkness in the world, but guess what? You got Jesus Christ. You got the light in you. Hallelujah. Go shine that light. Go shine that light. Hallelujah. Because there's darkness out there, and you got some friends that's walking down a path that's the devil's got booby trapped. Come on, somebody. You got some family members that are walking down a path, and because of the darkness, and the devil's got that path booby trapped. But don't just stand there. Shine that light Jesus has put in your life so they can see that booby trap, and they can be saved, for it's the only, uh, only thing that can and help them. I can't do it. Amen. The person sitting beside you can't do it. Only you can do it. And the reason why I lay into this so heavy is because the third and final point of my message before I close. Harvest time is a time of separation. Harvest time is a time of separation. Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. Another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto the man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, notice that, slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, did not, uh, uh, did, didst not thou sow a good seed in the field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Will thou then that we go and gather them up? But he says, Nay, lest... While you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Everybody knows this parable. Hallelujah. Let both grow together until the harvest. Now look at that second line there. And in, does it say when the harvest is over? It don't say when the harvest is over. And in the time of harvest. I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in the bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. My, my, my. Harvest time is a separation time. I, 
I was making some comments on social media this past week, and uh, somebody asked me a question and asked a question about a certain thing happening going on. And uh, I replied back, I said, yeah. I said, that's, that's going to continue, and it's going to get worse uh, and worse, and we're going to see more and more uh, persecution and, uh, and pain and anguish and tribulation uh, b- before Jesus Christ comes. And then they, they, they sent back and said, well, well I, thought, I thought Jesus Christ was going to come before persecution gets here. Oh, my, my, what about these thousands of Christian people and children included that's had their heads chopped off by ISIS? I guess God just loves us Christians here in America better than he does anybody else. Hmm? No. God said he was going to send a shaking in the land. So that everything that can't be shaken will stand. In the time of harvest, God is going to remove the tares that's in the church first. Hallelujah. What do you, what do you mean? Let me, let me try to explain this the best way that I can. What's been one of the biggest excuses all down through time that people want to give while they don't go to church? Well, I would go to church, but if I go to church, I'm going to see those. They forget the fact that if you don't go to church, amen, you go to hell, guess where you're going to be? Guess who you're going to see there? They're not going to be in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. But there's going to be a shaking. There's going to be a removal of the tares. God is going to cleanse his body right before the body is taken up because he's coming back after church without spot, wrinkle, blemish, or any such thing. Hallelujah. Amen. we got to go through a time of cleansing. There's got to be a refiner's fire going on. Hallelujah. And I'm here to tell you, folks, amen, that things are going to get so difficult and so hard on planet Earth. Amen. And it's going to be so hard for people to be able to stand up and still say, yes, I'm a Christian. Hallelujah. Those people, amen, that's been playing games all these years, do you think they're going to live through that with you and come out on the other side? Ain't no way. Hallelujah. Just like here a while back, and that, that shooting here a while, while, while back, amen, right here in the United States, amen, if this ain't tribulation, if this ain't persecution, I don't know what is, but that, that person going, going around and shooting people down and killing them uh, in that line, and they, they first asked them, well, they're a Christian, uh, uh, you know. Now, somebody made the statement, uh, and, and, you know, it's true. If you're standing... If you're lined up with with few people, and you get right uh, and you look, and a gunman's standing right there, the first first person on you, he asks them if they're a Christian, and then the guy with the gun blows their brains out, and they go to number two, says you're a Christian. They say, says no, I'm not no Christian, amen. And uh, you know maybe uh, shoot him in the leg or wound him or just walk on walk on to the next one, and then you see another one go down. And by the time he gets to you, now, I, 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 I admire that first one who it gets the question answer to them. Yeah, I'm a Christian. But this one on this end that looks back and they unseen, 
what's went down. Can you imagine what it takes for that person on the end to say, yeah, I'm a Christian? Hallelujah. God is in the midst of strengthening his body in his church right now. And in the time of harvest, God is going to remove the tares. We don't have to worry about the tares. We don't have to worry about this or that. God's going to take care of it. What you and I have got to be concerned, and I'm, I'm closing with this statement, what we've got to be concerned about is that we, we don't fall asleep at the wheel, that we don't sleep during the time of this great harvest. I guess it was on Wednesday night. Yeah, because you, you brought up something about it. Uh, this past Wednesday night in, in the teaching, I brought up some research. And do you know, through the, to, through the, uh, the last census that was taken in 2012 world census, they finally said that the world has reached over 7 billion people. Seven billion people who's alive and living right now. Out of that seven billion, I did research, and they say that they are 2.2 billion people on planet Earth that possess possess some kind of Christianity, says that they're Christian. What that means is, if Jesus was to come back right now, 73% of 7 billion people would be lost. That bothers me. I don't know if it bothers you, but that bothers me. Hell is hot and eternity is a long time. Hallelujah. Jesus said, broad and wide is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that that find it. He said, straight and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few, few. And we surmised that two points. Two that claim to be Christians. See, that's that, that that includes everything that claims to be Christian. That's when you consider out of those that are really have a born again experience. I think it's Brother Paul over brought down. He said that's really only twelve percent. Really, only twelve percent of out of seven billion people. It's going to be lost without Christ. We better get up and about the Father's business. There's a harvest for you individually, and there's a harvest for CFC. God has placed us here to reap a harvest. Let's, let's do what God wants us to do. Let's all stand together right now.